0: Hey, everybody, you're listening to Living Theology with the Luby Brothers, a podcast dedicated to understanding and living out the gospel, the gospel that brings us to God and transforms us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We are your hosts, Doug, Greg, and Mark Luby. we are continuing in our series on passages of scripture that have been significant in our own life. And one of the ideas that goes with this is just the idea of sort of life passages is something that we've talked about in our family, but there's just certain passages of scripture that we kind of have built our lives around or have been just key and influential at different times and are sort of those core truths that we go back to in hard times in life when things are going well, um, or just whatever we're going through. These these are some of the core foundational truths that we've built our lives upon. And obviously, we want to do that with the whole Scripture. But a lot of times, it's passages that just hit you hard at different times. And we hope there will be more of these throughout our lives. Um, but Greg, would you begin today and just introduce the passage that we're going to be discussing and the passage of Scripture that's been significant in your life or one of those passages?
1: Yeah, the passage that I chose... Has been really foundational in my life and big part of my testimony and uh, story of faith, but also just a big um, passage just for ministry as well. And so, kind of every side of um, things in my life. And I'll just read the passage here. But it's Ephesians three fourteen through twenty one, and it's a uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, praying for the church of Ephesus. this is a prayer he's uh, praying for the Ephesians, and uh, I just think there's so many really powerful parts of it. So Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ, and for you to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do a measure more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the
2: church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Greg, how did that passage become significant in your life?
1: Yeah, I there's just so many powerful parts of this where I think even just seeing that this is a prayer that he's praying for people shows that there's a dependence on god that we have in our faith and what paul's praying specifically is that the church of ephesus these ephesians would have power to know how wide and long is and high and deep is the love of christ and he's praying that they would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of god um and that he would experience that they had experienced god's spirit and powerful ways in their lives and so you see kind of every aspect of their faith he's saying this needs to be a work of god in order for you to understand the love of god in order for you to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of god in order for you to uh, experience god's power in your life it has to be a work of god and it really has to be a miracle um mm-hmm. to know god and to be transformed by god and i think that there's so many implications that we could talk about in this because i think sometimes when it comes to our faith we have a tendency to think that it's just something that we do or if we just have the right um theology or if we figure everything out a perfect method then everything is going to click and whether it's in our lives or other people and yet what we're seeing here is there's a complete dependence on god's power working in hearts and if god's not working and moving then there's not going really lasting change and transformation and i think that really takes the power off of us and shifts it and the way that this has worked in my life i would say a big part of my story was my sophomore year of college where i had um kind of just had a hard year in many ways i was walking away from the Lord and living for things outside of him and living in some sin. And towards the end of it, I just, I realized that so much of my faith, I think, had just been an intellectual idea. And I'd seen truths in the scripture, like when Paul says, everything's a loss compared to knowing Christ. And that just wasn't a reality in my life. <laughs> the one that we talked about last Philippians three year, I'd see Jesus say things like, I come that you have life to the full. And it's like, I don't, I don't think I really believe that the fullness of life is found in Christ or like I do. And I know yeah. it's true and I trust that, but it's not a reality in my life. And I went through a season of three to four months of what I define as wrestling with God <laughs> and just um for three or four months, I clung to the promise You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so night after night, I just was up and not even sleeping most nights, but just praying, God, I just want to see you. Will you just show up in real ways? Will this become a reality? Not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge of who you are. And I, uh, yeah, just night after night, just feeling, really having no answer and not feeling like God owed me anything. I say, Lord, you can decide never to answer this prayer of me seeing you and you'll be totally just and good, but will you please show up? And I'm not going to stop praying till I see you. And it was really after about four months of that, which were a kind of hard four months. And, um, I'd say I was, uh, pretty depressed and just low and, um, but, at the end of those four months, I really felt like as I began to see the Word, as I began to see scriptures like John three sixteen, they just had this whole new power where I thought, "This is true. It changes everything." And this is true, and mm-hmm. um, and it became so much less of an intellectual thing. But I mean, if we really think about that, we're going to be with God forever and eternity because of Christ, and nothing will ever separate us from God's love. That's that's our whole lives, you know, and so. Yeah. That, uh, I think that this kind of passage epitomizes a lot of what I went through where I was just pleading, Lord, don't, I, I just need to see you. And He really showed up in that and worked in some powerful ways in my heart. And I think even now, um, often I'll feel dry in my walk with the Lord or I, uh, feel like maybe just sort of distant, or like it is becoming intellectual knowledge. But outside of that four months, I don't think there's been a series of one or two days where I prayed this prayer or something like it, that I would just see God in new ways where he doesn't answer that pretty powerfully. And sometimes my default is just to try to do a bunch of things or just ignore it if I feel dry in my faith. But I think more I'm seeing my need just to press into God and pray that he would work in my heart to stir my affections for him and help me to see the weight of the things that we believe. Hmm. Yeah.
0: So what, what exactly is Paul praying here for the church at Ephesus? What is, what is he desiring to see happen in their lives? Doug, would you be able to just walk us through that a little bit of what are the particulars of this prayer?
2: Yeah. One of the things that I was thinking just as Greg, you were sharing your story is that I like how even your story illustrates parts of this because I remember that season (laughs) and it was a painful time, but being with you and then thinking of who you are now as you're walking with the Lord and there's still a wrestling to like believe these truths to live them out. But seeing that come more and more, but what you were saying of for four months, praying, Lord, show me yourself, help this not just be an intellectual thing, but to believe it, and depending on God for that to happen, and then God seeing, and then seeing God do that in your life, it's like, wow, that actually is following what's happening here, because in verse 14, Paul's starting By praying to God, the father of all, that God would give his spirit to strengthen the Ephesians who were rooted in the father's love. So that they would then have power to know that love more fully. And it's kind of crazy to think of a love that you need power to comprehend. Mm. It's like, huh. We actually are dependent upon God to even know the extent of his love. But Paul's praying that they would know the love of God by having the power of the Holy Spirit to comprehend the breadth of it and then to know the love of Christ that's beyond knowledge. Because Greg, you were saying in your story you kind of had this head knowledge but it wasn't like, is this real in my life? And then seeing it become real in your life, a part of who you are and being filled with the fullness of God as he's doing beyond what we can ask or imagine. So I just thought it was cool as you were sharing that it actually is following this
0: pattern, what you were experiencing. Yeah. I think that idea of a love that you need power to comprehend. It's like you, yeah, like you need power to comprehend how much God loves you And I think how easy it can be just for the love of God to be sort of like white noise, especially if you've grown up in a Christian circle, even if you've just heard it of, oh, yeah, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. Um, And moving from that, it's white noise, you've heard it, to, no, this is actually, you need strength to comprehend. So, Greg, do you feel like you kind of woke
2: up one day and began to think, I really do believe this, and know this love of God that's beyond knowledge, or was it slowly happening over that time period, or how did that come about for you? yeah, I mean, I think definitely in different ways, it was a process
1: um and i I think just even with this passage of scripture throughout my life has been a process, and sometimes it's a daily you know um battle to really. Believe and see these things, but I think in that season it was it was a little bit unique, where it's the only time it happened in my life. Where it was more three or four months of pleading and kind of wrestling with God and feeling like there mm-hmm. wasn't much of an answer. But towards the end of that, it was more of like a kind of bigger, dramatic turning point where I began to see um, that and
2: see the Word and be see the reality for new ways. Did you feel like giving up during those months, like a month or two in or what kept you from that? Uh, I mean, I think
1: that's a good question. Like, I think part of it is that there's just so much, like if this is true and I know, it, I know it is. And, um, and I think throughout that, I like, know if this is true you know i this is so much bigger than just a part of my life this is everything and i can't just if god is who he says he is if the if all these promises in the word are true if if all this is true then i can't just settle for it being part of my life and so I mean, what else could I give my life to? What else could I live for that would mean anything if this is true? And so it's like, okay, I'm going to, if it takes wrestling the rest of my life until God answers this, then I'm going to do it Hmm. because too Hmm. much is on the line to settle.
0: Greg, I remember even in that season when you had called me, because I was a senior in high school at that point, and I just remember you calling and sort of confessing this is where I'm at in my life. This is some of the sin I've been walking through. And I think, I mean, I think just too, there's just like this sense of discontentment where, like you're saying, if this is true, if this is what God's word says, like I like nothing else is going to satisfy me. And I feel like I really did see that in your life in that season. And I remember that was just a, even just the heaviness of that season for you. That was an incredibly heavy season where mm-hmm. I think just even your, yeah, just a sense of just Deep, deep dissatisfaction, deep longing. And I remember you, just you going through that. Yeah, definitely.
1: And I think part of us, like that, yeah, that po- good discontentment is just seeing that I think it was seeing that just all these things that I could live for in the world or even had that I thought would be satisfying just weren't. And I think that kind of needs to be a work of God in different ways that, like, all the things you could achieve, all the things that you think will bring you happiness, just can't satisfy your soul mm-hmm. if it's outside of God.
0: Yeah. How is how is this text then? I know it's informed personally in a lot of how you view God and how you view the love of God and changing your perspective on that. Even that this is not just some cold abstract thing, but this is something deeply personal and powerful how has it affected the way you go about your ministry
1: yeah it's i think that this has been another things where there's just been another process of growth and especially this year i think god's really been putting this passage pretty powerfully on my heart with With ministry, I can often get so focused on, here's the curriculum we're going to do, here's the methods, and if we just do all those things right, kind of in a pragmatic way, then everything will work. And we're called to be faithful in those things, and God works through our faithfulness (laughs) in um, putting things together in the content. And yet, at the end of the day, I think we see that really this need for trusting God for His work and power in lives. And I've done just for the one-to-one discipleship I do, you know, I'll do the same thing with each guy often. We'll, um, go through the same curriculum and content. And for some people, you know, it just really clicks and they, over time and their heart is just lit on fire for the Lord. And for other people, it's just nothing. And it's like, I didn't do anything different. You know, like at the end of the day, I was trying to be just as faithful and walk alongside them and Yeah, like, what's the difference? Is it something that I did or said? Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I think at the end of the day, it's a work of God. And so especially like now in ministry, I think that more of my focus has just been seeing that there's a need just to be pleading for the lives of those I'm investing in, pleading for the lives of those in my ministry. And I think that needs to be my starting place in ministry. And so um, we have you know like I just have a list of everyone that's in the ministry that I'm part of and I just go through and I pray this prayer person by person and I'm trying to do that every week is just go name by name and just pray that they would have God's power through his spirit in their inner being um, so that they would see Christ they'd be filled with faith I'm praying that they'd um, be rooted and established in the love of God and not in anything else I'm praying that they would um, have power to see how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ so I just go name by name and just kind of plead that and plead that the Lord would do that in hearts and I think that as I continue going forward in the future that's just going to be the foundation of my ministry and even when I do that I think it takes in some ways this big burden off of me that I can often put on myself in an unhealthy way where yeah. I'm trying to play God or think it's all just about me and it creates this trust and, okay, like I, now I can go be faithful. Now I can invest in people's lives. Now I can walk alongside people. And I think it kind of helps me trust God as I do that in a way that's really freeing for me.
0: Yeah, Greg, you've talked a lot about this idea of just ultimately that what we need is God to reveal himself. And that that's actually been really encouraging for me in ministry because I definitely feel that too where Ministry—you can quickly be about just the methodology, and and we want to be faithful in our methodology, like how we do. Like for example, for my ministry, how we do small groups matters. Um, that we do small groups and we have time for that, and you know how we do discipleship outside of the ministry and <clears throat> plans for growth and all those things—they matter. And like we're going to spend energy on it. But I even just remember being. Um, in trainings or conferences or around different Christian culture at a time where it it can be almost overwhelming as you think through all those things. And even sometimes you can begin to feel like our approach to ministry sometimes is just you just look around to who has the best ministry and just try and copy their methods. Um, and so this person's mm-hmm. church blew up, you know it's large or, whatnot and so okay we need to copy now their methodology and their ways of doing things which absolutely let's learn from each other but even that idea of like is our ultimate dependence as even as we do use methods we use means is our ultimate dependence in that or is it actually in the spirit of God that he's working and Greg that's kind of been one of your heartbeats or drumbeats as you've been doing ministry it's actually been really encouraging to me because I can get caught up in that of something isn't working in ministry or something's hard. And I think, um, is everything we're doing wrong? You know, like Mm -hmm. should I be doing something different? But then even just coming back to like, no God, you are faithful. And the ultimate reason that you're saving people and working and doing stuff isn't because like we're awesome and our ministry methods are just off the charts, but it's because you are faithful actually to work. And like you said, that's freeing. It's freeing when you realize Mm -hmm. the need of God to work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so easy for me to get
2: into the mode of just trusting what I'm doing or thinking that I'll have enough wisdom within myself to make things happen in ministry and change people and it's a blessing to have seen God using my life, seeing God use our lives to influence others. But I can so quickly get into the idea that Uh, this is because of me that all of this is happening versus Paul here praying that the Father would strengthen people by his spirit to know his love to walk in his fullness Like, oh I often leave out the Holy Spirit and think it's just about me and Mm. just the arrogance there Mm. but also yeah, am I actually living and dependent on God? Am I praying for the men I'm around who have issues that I honestly don't know how to deal with? Or am I wrestling with God to send His Spirit so that they would know the love of Christ so that things would happen? When I think about even depending on the Holy Spirit, it makes me think of Kang Yen, who was my ministry leader when I was in Malaysia. And... She would even conduct our like weekend retreat planning meetings such that we'd go away and basically spend the whole time praying, reading the Bible, and then towards the end, we'd have a little bit of time for planning. to so I'm like, we haven't done any planning in this weekend meeting. <laughs> and I was like, what are we doing? This isn't a planning ma- meeting. And that's from my kind of Western American frame of everything we need to do is about planning getting the right methodology in place but her emphasis was on word and prayer and trusting the lord so that we would know what to do going forward Mm -hmm. and just thinking oh i want to be more like kenyan in that way and greg i think you're saying that and i think you do model that better than i do and so that's one of the things i do really appreciate about you yeah
0: Thanks. and I think even for this it's not just you know we're obviously all speaking from the context of being in full time ministry but just even wherever you know wherever you're at in your life of needing God to work in your personal ministry to others um, yeah th- this is the core this is the foundation and I, I totally agree Doug I think Greg you model this very well and it, it is encouraging to my faith as well
1: thanks yeah and that's I think that along those lines marked as you were talking about with praying for those around you i think that's been a big thing i've been praying for lately as well just that the people that i'm around whether they're christians or non-christians would just know the love of god and the lord would work in their hearts to open their eyes to see this and i think mm-hmm. just committed that especially for you know people that aren't christians and That they would just have their eyes open to see how great the love of God is. And as they see that, they'd be transformed.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Along the lines of just seeing lives transformed. Um, This passage was read at Reagan and my wedding, which you guys know, but our audience, I guess, wouldn't. Uh, but r- cool. the reason that we read that is because it was significant in our relationship, and significant before we actually met each other, because after Reagan's first year on staff with The Navigator, she was at a training program, and throughout the, that summer, this one was this passage was just so significant to her, the idea of knowing the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and... During that summer, she began to see, wow, I really love God. And it wasn't as if she didn't love God before, that she wasn't a Christian, but there was just something of this passage and the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that began to settle in her life in a way that was really transforming and not just, oh, I'm going about these things because it's right or because it's true but I genuinely love the Lord and know his love. And even as she was sharing how that happened in her life and began to experience this passage, but to experience the depth of God's love behind this passage. Um, yeah, she was sharing that with me. That was one of the things that I began to think, wow, I could really see myself marrying her. Um, but just for her, for Greg, for you, for us in our lives... For the people that were around in ministry, this is what we desire, that it wouldn't just be this intellectual thing, but a life-changing, spirit-empowered love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that these people would be filled with the fullness of God and see him do immeasurably beyond what we can ask or think in their lives. Yeah, this is our goal. Not just to get more people in our ministries or in our seats, but to see people changed forever. Yeah. yeah. And if that's my goal, oh, I actually do need the Holy Spirit. Because maybe we can come up with methods to get more people around. But to see this happen in our lives, Greg, seeing this happen in your life over that four-month period, it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. it's taking the Lord
0: to do a miracle like you were saying yeah yeah and if students walk out of i mean if, if students go out of the high school ministry and they understand this i'm happy <laughs> like if they have the power by the holy spirit to comprehend the depths of the love of christ like they're gonna be okay <laughs> like you know like they're gonna walk through all mm-hmm. sorts of deep stuff but like this is foundational and and like if this isn't there then it's like like there's this is it. Like this is, you know, the core of it. It's like for people to understand, um, I prayed this um, passage or sort of paraphrased it a little bit in a prayer um, over the weekend for our fall retreat. And yeah, just cause it's, it's what I would think. This is what I desire that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. They would understand the depths of the love of God. Greg, do you have any concluding thoughts for us on this passage?
1: I guess just to finish out, I mean, this is a this is a great passage just to memorize and to have hidden in your heart so that you can be praying it for people by name. And if I just overall encouragement would just be to start praying this for yourself. Pray it for those you know pray for the believers in your life who are doing well who are struggling pray it for the non-believing friends you have around you Um, and if it's not this passage just pray in general but this is a great one just to be pleading for the lives of those around you to see and know the love of God and that as they would see and know God's love that they would just be filled and transformed as they know it more and more and we we're just totally dependent on a work of God and hearts and so let's be people who are on our knees in prayer, just pleading for the Lord to work and move. Hmm.
2: Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode. We hope it's of encouragement to you and that you join us next time for another discussion. The music excerpts for this podcast come from the song Enthusiast by Tours, which is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution License. More information can be found in the show notes.